0: Welcome to The Well Woman Show, where we interview women executives, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you're listening to The Well Woman Show. Where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to The Well Woman Show.
1: Take time for myself by coming to things like Well Woman Drinks.
0: To be accepting of myself no matter what. Step away from judgment as much as possible.
1: You're listening to The Well Woman Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I don't regret anything. Everything I've ever done, I've learned from it, one way or another, good or bad. Being a little bit selfish for yourself, you know, put your own oxygen
0: mask on first and then give what's left. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to The Well Woman Show, and now your host, Giovanna Rossi.
1: Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Are you at the top of your game professionally, but feeling burned out, or finding it hard to focus on your goals, or unfulfilled personally? Or are you in transition, simply juggling so many things, you find it hard to take care of your own needs? Well, you're not alone. We all need to activate the four universal superpowers. These are the internal strengths and abilities we all already have, but don't use all the time. Superpowers can be cultivated and they include awareness, intuition, action, and acceptance. Toward the end of the show, in a segment called Superpowers for Success, I ask my guest about her superpowers and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to live a well woman life. I'm so happy you're here. So thanks for tuning in. This episode of the Well Woman Show is brought to you by Collective Action Strategies, supporting organizations that support women and families, and by Well Woman Life Movement Challenge Quiz, your resource for living your best life. If you're in burnout or major transition, this is your time to figure out what's holding you back from making the changes you need to make in order to live your fullest, most joyful life the cause of all of our challenges, personal or professional, can actually be rooted in the lack of internal superpowers and or external supports. Our Well Woman Life framework tells you which stage of the Well Woman Life Cycle you're in and what to do about it so you can truly live your best life. You can find out more at wellwomanlife.com slash quiz. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication. And for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Giovanna Rossi here. To all the listeners of The Well Woman Show who love and support and stand for and speak up for women and girls everywhere and fight for women's rights and empowerment, um, I think I like you and many women that I've spoken with recently over the last week, at least are uh, extremely disappointed and um, disgusted with the state of support for women in this country. And we're wondering what's next, what do we do? And so um, obviously we've got an election coming up and we're going to be voting and I encourage everyone to be ready for that. Um, And in addition, we have other things we can do. And on the show today, I am am interviewing a woman who is... uh doing just that is showing us and providing an opportunity for the, uh, the question of what's next. So on the show today, I'm so pleased to let you know that I have Valerie Jarrett on the show, uh, former senior advisor to president Obama for both of his terms, 2009 to 2017. And she is the co-chair of the United State of Women, which is a national organization for any woman who sees that we need a different America for all women to survive and thrive and wants to work collectively to achieve it. So the United State of Women amplifies the work of organizations and individuals at the forefront of the fight for women's equality and provides tools, access, and connections that help women see and step into their power to break down the barriers that hold women back. So I can't wait for you to hear this interview. I caught up with Valerie at an event she attended um, in Las Cruces, New Mexico. She was kicking off the Galvanize New Mexico program, part of the United State of Women, and um, brought together local leaders, and I was able to moderate a conversation between her and Amy Whitfield, who is another local leader who we'll have on the show. Um, and uh, it was the kickoff for the Galvanize New Mexico event that will be happening in Albuquerque on December 1st. And you can go to our uh, show notes, wellwomanlife.com slash radio to find all the links to that to get your tickets. Um, I'm so pleased to uh, have Valerie on the show today. And also the Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque. And you can also continue the conversation with us in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. Now to my interview with Valerie Jarrett. I'm speaking with Valerie Jarrett this afternoon. Welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Valerie, you are the co-chair of the United States of Women and uh, former senior advisor to President Obama, and you're in
0: New Mexico here um, for an event. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We're so happy to be here in New Mexico. We're um, going around the state really ginning up interest for a galvanizing summit that we're going to have on December 1st here. And we wanted to be on this campus today and meet with all these dynamic young women who are so interested in gender equity and lift up their voices as we prepare for our larger uh, galvanizing session on December 1st. Okay. And
1: When you were um, working on issues to do with women and girls in the Obama administration, um, how did you carry that work forward
0: to what you're doing now? So right before we left, we had a large summit. 5,000 women came to Washington, D.C., called the United State of Women. And it was an opportunity for us to reflect back over everything we had accomplished over the eight years since President Obama was elected, but also, and very importantly, to chart a course ahead. What was the work left to do? And to figure out ways of lifting up the voices of women and girls and activists and academics and uh, folks all over the country who care about gender equity who are right now doing that important work. And so we created a five hundred one c three called the United State of Women. We had another large summit in Los Angeles a couple of months ago, earlier this summer. And we, between the summits, we go around and have these galvanizing sessions where we connect, we amplify. We focus on what's working, we try to help take those best practices, those evidence best practices to scale, and we share what we've learned with folks all over the country. And right here, there's a treasure trove of young uh, activists who are out there right now challenging and working on the issues that we care so much about, so we wanted to lift those up.
1: Okay, and I know some of the solutions and things that you're working on are, are larger, you know, policy issues that aren't going to necessarily happen overnight. But what about some of the other sort of concrete day-to-day things that um, women and men and and everybody can can be doing to really work towards gender equity in a, in a, like a tangible way? Like, what it's can people a good do? Good
0: question. So uh, several years ago, we went on a listening tour around the country. And it uh, it led up to a summit we had in 2014 called the Working Family Summit. And we really wanted to hear what are the issues that working families care most about? What are the impediments to their thriving and uh, making ends meet and taking care of their responsibilities both at work and at home? And ubiquitous around the country, we heard the same things. Equal pay for equal work, workplace flexibility, paid leave. We're the only developed country that doesn't have a national paid leave policy, I might add. Paid sick days. We have over 43 million Americans that don't have a single paid sick day. And affordable child care. In two-thirds of our state, affordable child care costs more than in-state tuition at a college. And so these are the challenges. And and what's also interesting is that employers who understand that evidence shows and invest in what we call those working family policies – Not only have a more productive workforce, they are much more likely to retain not just women, but men as well. Uh, They're more efficient, they're more loyal, less turnover, of course, and in the private sector, more profitable. And so this isn't just a nice to do for women. It's actually a business imperative in a global marketplace to recognize that diversity is a strength and that if you have people of all kinds around the table, you're going to make more informed decisions that are tailored to your marketplace. And so um, every employer could put in place these best practices. Voluntarily. Don't have to wait for Congress to pass a law or states to pass a law, although many states and cities have started passing laws or mandating these benefits, but we should look at them as investments. And so talking to employers about the importance, uh, not just from our perspective, by bringing other employers to the table, who see the difference it makes to focus on these issues, we think will make a tremendous difference. And so It's disappointing to see that a lot of the initiatives that we'd hoped Congress would pass are not going to likely pass anytime soon, but that's not going to stop us. There's so much that we can do at the state and local level. There's so much that people can do voluntarily. So that's just one example of a working family agenda that I think can be implemented right away. I love that. You know, I was in the Richardson administration, Governor Richardson,
1: here in New Mexico, and um, up until 2010 when he was termed out. And I co-chaired a task force um, to improve economic security for women and families in New Mexico. And we used a lot of um, a, a lot of um, research from the White House. And um, we ended up developing a program to support businesses in New Mexico to adopt and implement family-friendly policies like paid leave, flexible scheduling, those kinds of things. And I'm so happy to tell you that it's Currently, a nonprofit organization that has continued and and is has 130 businesses in the program, impacting over 180,000 New Mexican workers uh, with these policies. It's it's almost exactly what you just described. So I'm so pleased that you've talked well, you talked
0: about that. You know, as a working I was a working single mom, and I know what challenges I faced, and I had resources, and I had support, and I had everything going for me, and I still felt like I was hang- holding on by my fingertips. And so um you're absolutely right. These are the kinds of issues that, as I said, are ubiquitous around the country, around the world. These are issues that are important to working families, and so we should begin uh, to implement those changes right now, and we should also highlight um uh, And reward employers that do the right thing and profile them. And and now in this competitive marketplace, more and more employers want to be known as a good place to work. And they're worried about the churn. And, And we take the field of computer science, for example. A study I looked at showed that women stay on average only three years in that field. The number one reason they leave? Culture. And so culture is more than just policies. Culture is attitude, and I think tone starts at the top. And so we like to put the spotlight on uh, CEOs who appreciate the importance of diversity and are willing to invest. Uh, And look at creative solutions as well. Companies such as Microsoft, they already offer great benefits to their workforce. Now they're requiring it of their subcontractors, and they're saying pass on paid sick days. Pass on both maternal and paternal and maternity leave equally onto the to the employees. And so they're using their buying power to drive social policy with those who want to do business with them. And we're hoping that many other companies follow their lead.
1: Okay, Valerie, I want to ask you, um, turning to the recent um, uh, developments with the Supreme Court nomination process. um, How do you think this process is going to impact your work and also just the perception of women in this country of of what they can do?
0: Well, look, I've been very disappointed in the way the process has run so far. I think a nomination to the Supreme Court isn't a right. It's a lifetime appointment. You have to be willing to subject yourself and your life uh, to an open book. And I was troubled long before this last week by the fact that so many of Judge Kavanaugh's documents were Uh, behind seal and not available to either the Judiciary Committee or the public to review. I think that uh, when there's a doubt, the doubt goes in favor of the country. And I don't think that it makes sense for a cloud to be over the head of somebody who's going to make decisions that affect the lives of all Americans and set precedent for generations to come. So I think that the good news here is, is that so many women and, women, women and men rallied behind Dr. Ford. I think that the Me Too movement and Time's Up and initiatives that are enabling survivors of sexual harassment and assault to appreciate that they are not alone and that there are a lot of people who think that they deserve to be able to go to school or go to work um, free from sexual harassment. This is Domestic Violence Month beginning October 1st today, and still far too many women are uh, suffer from domestic violence. And one of the issues that could be solved at state legislatures today is to say that people who've been convicted of domestic violence shouldn't have access to arms, handguns, for example, any kind of guns for that matter. And there are states that have taken that action. So I think we have a combination of um, toxicity in Washington and polarization. One thing that I heard over the weekend that really troubled me on 60 Minutes, when Senator Flake, who took a bold step in withholding his vote, unless there was an agreement to continue the FBI or reopen the FBI background check. But when he was asked, would you have done this if you were running for reelection? And he said, no, I wouldn't have. That troubled me. That's kind of a barometer of how toxic... Um, and how polarizing the Republicans in the Senate feel that they can't work with the other side of the aisle. He and Senator Kuhn, they're good friends. And Senator Coons was able to really get him to come and talk to him and, and talk to some of the other senators who were concerned and come to a consensus, but that he said he couldn't do it if he was running for office is a terrible data point for what's happening in Washington. And the way it changes is when people Uh, All across our country, participate in the most fundamental responsibility of citizenship, and that's voting. I'm co-chair of a new initiative that Michelle Obama launched, called called "When We All Vote," and it's a 501c3 nonpartisan, and our sole purpose is to change the culture around voting, beginning with young people, to say it doesn't. I don't care who you vote for, but do your homework, appreciate the candidates. You're not choosing the Almighty; you're choosing between alternatives. (laughs) And pick a person and get behind that person and then hold the person accountable. And I'm profoundly troubled that in midterm elections and even in the last presidential election, 43 percent of the eligible voters didn't vote. One in five registered voters didn't vote. We have to change that. And I think when we do, the fact that women are half our population, the fact that we are represented in business and half of the businesses, we're graduating from college at higher rates than men. Uh, is an indication of our political strength we have to use it, okay,
1: Valerie. Um, on the uh, we're heading into a segment called Superpowers for Success that we always do on the show, which really allows our guests to share your tips about leadership and your life with the listeners. And so I just want to ask you a few quick questions. One is what does success in life mean for you,
0: Valerie? It's a very good question. I'm writing a book on the topic. (laughs) It's called Finding My Voice, which comes out in April. And it grew out of my daughter asking me when she was about 30, what would you tell a 30 year old Valerie Jarrett? And when I look back over my life, I think of all the moments when I was terrified about making a decision or a change or getting outside of my comfort zone. And when I took those leaps of faith, I was always happier. And so success to me is leading a full life. It's a, it's a well-rounded life. It's a life that's rich with love and devotion to those who matter and where you feel as though you can contribute to the greater good. I practiced law for six years in the private sector, and I was miserable, and I wasn't very good at it. And I didn't feel that what I did in the course of the day is anything that my daughter would one day be proud of me for doing. And when I took this leap of faith and I joined local government in Chicago, And I moved out of a big fancy office into a cubicle looking out over an alley. I felt like I was where I belong. So success is in the eyes of the beholder. Valerie, when did you know you were really good at what you do? I'm still a work in progress. (laughs) I wake up every day terrified. Am I working hard enough? Am I doing well enough? Am I making the difference that I set out to make? And I think part of what drives um, folks who do achieve is this sense that it's never good enough. I'm never satisfied with what I do. I'm always the first to be critical. And I think that's where you learn and grow. And, and I've failed and, and I've seen that you can fail and be resilient and get back up and, and live to fight another day. And I think that resilience is an important quality in leadership as well.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you talked about that. And I really want to call that out for, for listeners, because even... Valerie Jarrett wakes up nervous about what she's going to do in the world. So I, <laughs> I think that's such, uh, su- you know, it's such a uh, common thing for for women and probably all people. But
0: yes, men just mask it better. I think everybody's <laughs> scared. Right. And, and if you're not scared and if you don't fail, then you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. You should be scared.
1: Valerie, can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being so that you can do
0: all that you do in your work, in your life? Two, laughter, usually at myself. I really love to laugh. And I think I take issues very seriously. I don't take myself that seriously. And I think at my age, I'm old enough to be secure enough to say, oh my gosh, I really blew that. Or why did I answer that question that way? Or why did I say this or stumble there or whatever Um, it may be? Um, and so I do that. And then the only thing I try to do as much as I can is to exercise. Um, I think women uh, generally focus on taking care of others. Not all women. It's a, but it, it's not just a stereotype. I think it's generally true. We're nurturing. And you can't do that to your detriment. You'll be in a, I knew that when I would wake up early and go exercise before my daughter, when she was young, woke up, I would be a better mother. And I would feel healthier and more rejuvenated if I just could clear my head for an hour before the day began. And I will say the entire time I worked in the White House, I worked out almost every day. And so I say to people who say there is no time, I was pretty busy back then. And if you, you have to make time for yourself. And the reason why I think I was able to last for eight years— The first senior advisor in history that stayed all eight years from January 20th to January 20th is because I try to take care of myself and pace myself and not burn out. Mm -hmm. Such good advice. Okay. What superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? that I don't actually need as much sleep as I thought I did. When I was a young adult, I had this notion that I needed eight hours of sleep. Now, Ariana Huffington, who's written a book about sleep, would disagree with me. But I discovered in the White House, I was actually quite fine on eight, on six. Now, I will say fear, again, propelled me out of bed in the morning. But I discovered I didn't actually need as much sleep as I was getting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Valerie, do you identify as a feminist? Absolutely. Absolutely. A feminist to me is someone who believes in equality and believes that women have the same rights and should have the same privileges as as men. Uh, We are every bit as good, if not better, but the scales are often tipped out of balance. And part of being a feminist is fighting to achieve that equity. And um, what are you reading right now?
1: What's on your nightstand?
0: Hmm. What I'm reading right now is my book, which I'm trying to finish and I'm having a hard time reading anything else. Although somebody yesterday gave me um, a book about Frederick Douglass, which I read maybe 15 years ago. And I was in Austin and he said, read this again. It will inspire you. And so I have that in my backpack for the plane home. Last question, Valerie. How has your
1: life changed since becoming senior advisor to President Obama over those eight years. How did you change as a person, your relationships, your personal life? Like, what was that transformation?
0: Well, I am fortunate to have a family and friends, family and good friends friends who I had way back before I was a senior advisor to the president, who kept me honest, who kept me grounded, who made me laugh, and who gave me a lot of slack when I had to consistently break engagements with them, and who were waiting for me when I finished. And I just treasure the fact that they, I had such a great support network around me that enabled me to do what I had to do. Um, Mrs. Obama once said, in reference to her husband, that being president didn't change who he who he is. It revealed who he is. And I think those eight years I was tested in a lot of ways. I saw that I could take a punch in a very public way, which is what happens when you're in the White House and be under incredible scrutiny and, and absorb a lot of pain without letting it eat away at me or make me numb. And being able to feel deeply when you see so much to inspire you, but also so much pain. I can't tell you how many memorial services I attended when I was in the White House, from Sandy Hook to Pulse Nightclub to Fort Hood to to a young woman who marched in the parade of President's Second Inauguration who lived a mile from my home in Chicago, Hadia Pendleton. And the individual in these mass shootings just would eat away at me. And yet you can't let it destroy you. You have to Be resilient enough to get up and keep fighting, even in the face of politicians who put their short-term interests ahead of what's good for the country. You just can't give up. And so it's not for the faint at heart, but there's just nothing more satisfying than public service, other than, of course, being a mom. (laughs) Other than being a mom is what you said. Other than being a mom. That's the best.
1: Valerie, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you this afternoon.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you as well.
1: As a special bonus today for listening to The Well Woman Show, I'm going to share with you 10 things everyone can do to erase sexism, and I'm going to add a couple of things to this list. Um, I created these 10 things for an op-ed that was published in the Santa Fe, New Mexican earlier this year, and I talked a lot about internalized sexism and um what some of the solutions are, and what we can do. So um, the first thing I want to share with you is that um, what we can do to really um, address sexism and internalize sexism, and toxic masculinity, and the macho paradox, and just all of these things that uh, contribute to where we are today. Um, The first thing is Number one, you can support and fund good journalism. So that's news outlets that provide fact-checked, unbiased reporting. And um I say support it, you know, that means read, read and and you know, watch good journalism, but also fund it. It's really important to buy subscriptions to these news outlets. Okay, so number two, support media literacy focused on gender issues in schools. Super important. And, um, you know, I talk to my kids all the time and they are becoming media literate and it's really interesting to watch, but I think, um, we need to really focus on that and, and on the gender issues in the media. Number three, support women in media. So there's the women's media center, the center for media justice. There's, um, women in media and news. And um again we'll put all of this information in the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash radio and uh you can take a look there. Number four, help elect women to public office and ask women in your life to run for office. So this is super important because most women don't assume that they're qualified to run for office. Whereas men, when you ask them, they do assume that they're qualified and they just go ahead and and do it. Uh, But women really need to be asked to run for office. So we're coming up on on an election. So uh, definitely number four, help elect more women to public office. Number five, use your privilege to see that more women are elected to boards of directors. And this is, uh, goes for women of color really as well. Uh, all of these points, um, we have an opportunity to elect more women, uh, to, to boards of directors and we really need to do that. Number six, support and promote girls and mentoring Programs. Number seven, reflect on how you contribute to sexism and decide from this day forward only to measure girls and women by their accomplishments and not by how they look or their ability to bear children. Number eight, speak up for yourself and support other people who speak up and hold others accountable. Number nine, support programs that focus on the macho paradox and the movement of men working to promote gender equality. Number 10, do what's right, not what's easy. Just remember that. Do what's right, not what's easy. And I'm adding number 11, which is to go vote. Definitely put it on your calendar, early voting, and then election day, November 6. And uh, number 12 bonus for you. Is attend the Galvanized New Mexico event on December first. All the information is at wellwomanlife.com/radio. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your wellwoman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com/facebook to join us. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women, leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you are listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.